And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with Seth all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. Gets the handoff, bust toward the end Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, love that new open as it's go time for the Raiders on Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. and that phenomenal Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing well. We got a big week lined up, and I am knocking them down. Tom Flores at the bottom of the hour. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN Raider insider. Jeff Sherman with the moving odds, including the Raider game. From the Westgate, Joe Theismann coming up either tomorrow or Thursday. Jay Schrader, former quarterback of the Washington football team and the Raiders And tomorrow, my exclusive with Brent Musburger. Looking forward to that. I reached out to the godfather, Brent Musburger. Uh, We have him on about once or twice a year, and he's ready to go. And he's excited to go. So we nailed it. We got a big week ahead of us. Maybe a Raider player. My conversation with the coach. I'll be anchoring the Silver and Black show on Friday after my coach's interview on Thursday. What I'm saying is I'm all locked in on the Washington football team because they make me damn nervous after last night. And you know I'm not a hype machine, and I don't stir it to just tell you, hey, I'm worried about a team. I don't go there much. I'm worried about this game. It reminds me of the Bears game identically. It reminds me identically of the Bears game, and that was a nightmare at Allegiant Stadium. This cannot happen. You all agree with me. What do the Raiders need to do to beat the Washington football team? That's the show the rest of the week. And it's got to be elevated because Washington is so hyped up to make it to the playoffs, they're in. They're the seventh seed. And they're not very good. They're the seventh seed. The Raiders are not. If the playoffs started today, the Raiders would be out of the playoffs and Washington would be in. So the Raiders are going to get the best of the Washington football team, highly motivated on a short week, coming off winning Monday night football, which they haven't done much, and they are ready to go. Now if you sprinkle in my bitterness of the Washington football team and the 650,000 emails that were leaked, oh, you got great JT this week. Oh, you got me at my highest level. I'm ready to go. I'm entrenched in this game. I should be hosting the show from the torch from the Sunday pregame show already. So I'm deeply concerned about how Washington played with emotion, and I've tied it in with the Niners, the way the Niners beat the Rams a couple of weeks ago, and they won three in a row. And the Niners are in the playoffs all of a sudden, and the Washington football teams won three in a row. And two of those wins were against Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. Okay? This team's legit. They're legit because they're physical. And physical teams give the Raiders a hard time. It's Kansas City who's finesse. Misdirection, misdirection, trick you. And they do it better than anybody against the Raiders. And then it's the physical teams that can push the Raiders around or push the Raiders' offensive line around. Now, fortunately, Chase Young's not playing, and he's arguably the best young pass rusher in football, along with T.J. Watt. And Washington had a couple of injuries last night, but the Raiders are banged up, as we know. And we're going to wait for more and more 
on this, and I am not critical of the Raiders. They run a business. They don't call me up. The trainer doesn't call me up on a Tuesday night and say, hey, JT, this guy got out of uh, this type of rehab and we're moving him forward. I know just what you know and what we hear from Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Tafer, Paul Gutierrez. That's why I have him on the radio. I interview them about the status of the team because they go to more practices. So the Raiders better get healthy here pretty quickly. They better get some guys out of the tub, and they better get some guys back on the practice field because they need depth now. They got players who can come in and play. And the Raiders are coming off a 14-penalty game, which is unacceptable on any level. So why am I concerned about Washington? Again, they have McLaren, the wide receiver on the outside, who runs like a Ferrari and demands the double team. He reminds me of a young Antonio Brown, the highest praise I can give him. Washington has an elite number one receiver, and they're not afraid to throw it to him all day in the double team. So the Raiders are going to have to bracket coverage him over the top. Trayvon Merrick. Now, Washington also ran the ball. And I'll double check here. I think they ran the ball 42 times in this game. And they didn't run it for much. They did not run it for much, but they ran it a lot. Because that's what Ron Rivera wants to do now with Heineke as the quarterback. They're not going to let Heineke go out and throw it 50 times a game. They don't want to do that. So they're telling the Raiders in advance what the game plan is. The game plan is simple against the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to run it until the Raiders stop the run. That's it. That's the game plan. Put it in a bow. They're going to run the ball 30 to 40 times to see if the Raiders can stop the run. If the Raiders' defensive tackles can show up and stop the run, if guys like Littleton and Perryman can stop the run, then they'll go to the passing game. The the amount of plays they ran against Seattle was alarming. They rushed the ball 43 times for 152 yards and only one touchdown. Their longest run was only 17 yards, and they averaged 3.5 a carry. So why did they run the ball so much? I don't know, because Seattle's defense isn't very good. So I thought if this would be the game, they'd want to throw it more. But no, they saw something in the game plan And they decided that they were going to win the game, running the ball, and playing defense against Russell Wilson. And man, you want to talk about an ugly game. They won 17-15. to They had the ball for well over 40 minutes in the game. They ran so many more plays. Let me get to the exact numbers on that, too. I was planning on doing that next hour. Look at this. When, When you look at these overwhelming numbers, they possessed the ball for 41 minutes and 40 seconds. Compared to Seattle's 18-20. So there's their game plan against the Raiders. Ball control. Let's run it. Let's run it three yards a crack and pick up first downs on third and short. They had 27 first downs to Seattle's 10 in the game. So they did what they needed to do to win the game. Was it a sloppy game? It was more ugly. Because the, the stat that drives Raider fans crazy is how many plays do the Raiders run? Well, Washington ran 79 total plays to Seattle's 45. Wow. I mean, and they held Seattle to 34 yards rushing. I'm not saying Seattle's a great team. They're struggling this year. Their season's over. But Washington played at a very high level last night, and that is concerning to me today because I wasn't really concerned about Chicago. I wasn't. You weren't. I was at the game. The reason why the Bears fans were so loud is because they dominated the Raiders. It made them loud. 
There's been other fan bases that have been there and haven't been as loud as Chicago because the Raiders have beaten the team or been in the game. They were never in the game against Chicago. And that drives me nuts. They were never in the game against the Giants at MetLife, even though the score says it was. They never wanted to attack the Giants. They said, no way. We're afraid of the Giants like they're the 85 Bears. We can't throw it on them. We're done. And the Giants dictated what they were going to do, and they won the game. Well, what makes me concerned about Washington is last night they dictated the game to Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and said, you're not going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to control the clock, and we're going to beat you, and they did. And they got a lot to play for, but everybody does. They have a lot to play for, but everybody does. Washington is one victory away from being 6-6. Six and six. You don't think they're coming to Vegas to win this game? This is their game of the year. If they lose, they go to 5-7. and seven. They're toast. There's some teams in the NFC that might leave the door open, But I'm telling you, this is a must-win game for Washington. It's a must-win game for the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's a must-win week on this radio show. So starting today, I don't even know what day it is, I swear to God. All right, it's Tuesday. Starting today, I need Raider fans to tell me what's going to happen and how do you win this game. Because don't give me any flaky stuff about, well, we just need to do what we... No, no, no. This is not, we're just going to win because we're going to win. This is a detailed analysis and game plan of how to beat this team that is better than their record. Last night, Heineke with the touchdown that put him ahead 9-7. to McKissick in the backfield with Heineke, who takes the snap. Seattle brings four. They just toss it out to McKissick, who navigates to the 10-5, going into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! McKissick got a big game here in this game. They were counting on him. They went right back to him on this TD run to extend the lead. Second and goal from the 10. McKissick's in the backfield. Inside handoff to McKissick. Flying through the center of the line. Dive to the goal line. Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! A second of the game for J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick, seven carries, 30 yards, 4.3 a carry. And then in the passing game, five receptions, 26 yards and a touchdown, 5.2 on an average there. Kind of like the game you need from Josh Jacobs, right? Josh, you'd like a touchdown in the air and maybe one on the ground? This kid McKissick did it on Monday Night Football. So they got a lot of momentum coming into this game. I mean, it was dicey down the stretch if Seattle was able to find a way to get that two-point conversion. It would have been fun to see overtime, but this is the final call as Washington wins. Heineke, kneel down, Washington wins, and it's fitting we're going to Vegas next because what happens at FedEx Field stays at FedEx Field. (laughs) 17-15, Washington wins a doozy on Monday night. So that's it. That's Redskins. Excuse me. Well, I'm going to say that a few times. Washington football team radio on the call, and Washington now is coming to Vegas, and they're excited about it because they're coming off a win on a short week. And as I told you yesterday before I even watched the game, that they're probably going to run the same game plan because it's a short week, right? Why wouldn't they? You think they're going to see something with the Raiders on film? Well, they could. Maybe they think that Heineke's better in this game throwing than running it this many times. I think they're going to have the same game plan. It's the same game plan that Philly had. Remember that Philly game plan? Let Jalen Hurts run. Let Jalen Hurts run and keep the game close. And then in that game, the Raiders scored 30 unanswered points, and they were able to blow them out. And then Philly came back late and made it interesting. I can tell you this. I hope I'm wrong. This game's going to come down to the final two minutes. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I hope I'm wrong. 
the, the game against Dallas went into overtime. Okay, the Raiders play these heart attack games at home. They don't blow people out, and it always comes down to the wire, and I think that's what's going to happen in this game. My level of concern is pretty high, but the good news is they're playing Washington. They're not playing an elite team. They're playing a team that they're supposed to be uh, better than, and I think most people, when the season opened up, whenever you circled the wins, if you play that game, you circle wins and losses. I think everybody pretty much had this team beating Washington. I don't know how you could possibly think of going to the playoffs if you can't beat the Giants, Chicago, and Washington. I don't know how you could think about it. So would the Raiders be alive at 6-6 six and six if they lose? Of course. But the Raiders have to win this game. This is a game set up for them coming off a Thanksgiving emotional victory with extra time off at home. They have got to play great. And there can't be a slow start, which pretty much happens every time at Allegiant Stadium. It's a slow start. Can't happen in this game. All right, a couple of things I want to get to post-game. Ron Rivera was asked about the playoff chances because they're talking playoffs back in the nation's capital. What we talked about was really about position. You know, we've got one more game, and, and, and then we've got the five-game round robin. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, take on the Raiders and get ready for them, and then we'll, we'll, we'll worry about the, the next five games. Oh, they're ready for the Raiders. There's no doubt they're ready for the Raiders. Jack Del Rio, you don't think he's up for this game? They'll be flying to play this game and win. Now, I want to play Rivera's locker room rant because this got my attention. And earlier today when we were putting the show together, I told Bobby, grab this. What happened is after the game, Heineke must have got a game ball or something, and he threw it up against the board. And the whole locker room went crazy especially the head coach, Ron Rivera, last night. I told you, everything we need is in this room. Everybody in this room we need. We've got to work together, stay together, and be the team that we can be. We will not take it from anybody. I don't give a shit how they stack it against us. We're whipping it. Now let's play football. Here we go. Team all three. One, two, three. Team Holy crap, it sounds like a scene at the wall of Game of Thrones. And that's Ron Rivera. We're all familiar with Ron Rivera. He's coached in a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl as a player. He's got that locker room in the palm of his hands. They're ready to play. Has that got your attention, Raider fans? Has this got your attention? So we got to get ready for this game. It feels like a battle. It feels like Game of Thrones. They're coming to the wall. Raiders are going to meet him there at the wall. Peter Schrager. NFL insider, good morning football on the Washington football team. Heineke looks like he's a man in charge, but this is how Ron Rivera would want to win a football game if you were to ask him at any moment in his career. What's your ideal situation? Mm-hmm. It's ball control, time of possession, never give the ball to the other team, and let our defense close it out at the end. Take a look at some of these numbers if you didn't watch the entire game. It, it, the score is one thing. That's crazy. The stats are another. 25 20, plays? To That's 79, mm-hmm. 43 rushing attempts to 12, and then look at time of possession. Anytime you turn this game on last night, Washington had the ball, and they were converting first downs. Look at those first downs. We're talking about 27 to 10. That is an enormous disparity. It was one of the most lopsided games of the week, even though it was just a two-point game in the final box score. And then you look at what they've done, and Heineke hit on it in his, in his sound. Carolina last week, it was Cam Newton's big comeback party. They go into Carolina, they spoil that party. Tampa, okay, here we go. Here come the Buccaneers. This is going to be the Buccaneers run. They beat the Buccaneers, and they're doing this without Chase Young, without Montez Sweat, 
without Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're rallying around each other. And guys, as recent as Halloween, when they lost to Denver, they were the second worst team in the NFC. Mm -hmm. It was Detroit and Washington. And it was an entire question of whether Jack Mm -hmm. Del Rio stays. Does Ron Rivera still have it? What do they have to do? They're now in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yes, they got some help from some friends, and the Saints lost, and the Eagles lost, and the Cowboys lost. All, all the rowdy friends. But guess what? It doesn't matter. They mm-hmm. have to take care of their own business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play them right now. They beat you up. They run the ball down your throat. And Heineke looks like he's got as much charisma as any quarterback in the league right now. Mm-hmm. They're a seven seed the playoffs were today, and they were completely out of this thing as recent as Halloween. Great analysis, Peter Schrager. They're a seven seed already. They run it down your throat and beat you up. Raider Nation... I'm calling on the Raider Nation this week. This is not a game to take lightly, period. 702-365-9200. What is your concern level today with the Washington football team? How's that for a topic? It works. What is your level of concern Tuesday as the Raiders are coming off it? They're back to work. Off day Tuesday, but depending on their schedule, I was at the facility today, and the level of intensity coming from Washington, is at a 10. So what's your cause for concern or your level of concern in this game? 702-365-9200. Mine's an 8. Mine's an 8 on a Tuesday. I don't think it can go much higher. I don't think it'll go much higher than 9 when I get on the pregame with Eric Allen. But I'm, uh, I'm concerned about this one. And I don't think Raider Nation's taking it lightly. I don't want to give out that in the opening here. I don't think Raider fans are taking this lightly and saying we're going to blow them out. If you've been to Allegiant Stadium, you've been to these games, I'm a season ticket holder, I'm in there with you. These are never easy at Allegiant Stadium, period. Don't tell me it's because of the amount of fans from the other team. It's garbage. It's not good because this team just starts off slow. And now they've finally been told by everyone in football, from analysts, former players, Hall of Famers like Charles Woodson and Tom Flores, who's joining us, start fast. Whatever you were doing that wasn't getting us going quickly, let's go with that. And we saw that in Dallas. We saw a team in Dallas at times that played explosive passing game. And as I made it clear yesterday, and I'll say it the rest of the week, the Raiders will only make the playoffs if they throw the ball. Period. Throw the ball too much, which will lead to some sacks and some turnovers. Too bad. Carr has to take the season over now. And I think he did a pretty good job in Dallas doing that. The will to win. Derek Carr's ability to make plays. Everything that we want to see with Derek every game, we just saw it. We have to see him stack it. He's got to beat Heineke, the quarterback of Washington. Period. Okay? It's back to what can Derek do. And that's what the show's going to be about for the next couple of weeks. What can Derek do as guys are getting injured, Derek's starting to play Good again. Great again. He played very well in that game in Dallas. He can't take a step backwards. He can't. If he does, the team doesn't win. The team doesn't win unless Derek plays great the rest of the way. So I want your level of concern for Washington, as you can tell. I exaggerate, but I don't make stuff up. I'm concerned about what I saw last night. Just what's going on with the organization and the positivity coming out of there. They're not a great football team. They barely beat Seattle, ran almost double the plays, and won by two points. All right, this isn't Tom Brady coming in here. It's Taylor Heineke. Figure out how to win. 702-365-9200. Jay in the Bay Area on the flagship. Hello, Jay. 
Jay, you're there on the radio. Go ahead. Thank you. Can you hear me? I got you. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm at a 9.9, JT, about this Washington game. I watched it last night. I dissected it. I played ball, you know, and to be honest with you, as car goes, we go. We're a passing team. EA said it. Eric Allen said it on the your Raiders postgame with Cuscarelli. He said this early in the season. We're a passing team. You know what? That's your identity. Don't try to find it now when this is the playoff push. The real season starts now after Thanksgiving. And Washington, yeah, you know, I'm a little worried about their running game, but we can beat them. Seattle is a horrible team. We got them on a short week, JT. They played Monday night. They're flying all the way out here to Las Vegas. And guess what, baby? I'll be there. I'll see you at the torch. This will be my first game in Las Vegas, and I've been dying to go all year. So I'm fired up. I'm ready. I looked at the schedule, and I got it. I just printed it out here at work, and I looked at everybody's, and I did, I did my little mm-hmm. wins and losses. I had the Raiders 11-6 and six to start the season, but I didn't have them losing to the Giants off a of bye week. I didn't have them losing to the Bears. They're coming to Vegas, and I definitely didn't have them <clears throat> losing to Cincinnati, yeah. the Bungles. So now I see them 10-7, and 11-6 at best. That means you're winning the next five out of six. I got I got Cincinnati ten and seven. I got Chargers ten and seven. Guess what? We losing the tiebreakers them. Now I want Cincinnati to win the division and Baltimore to come back down because yeah. we got the tiebreaker against them. So these are must win games. I see they have to beat the Colts. They have to beat the Browns. Then we have to split with Kansas City. If not, we might not win that game. Definitely got to beat the Broncos and definitely got to beat the Chargers. We're in the playoffs. Either either other thing that happens different than that. We're going to be on the outside looking in, miss it by one game yeah. again, like the last two years. Yeah, I agree with it. Thanks for the call. Have a good trip out here and come see me. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, you got to beat, you got to beat Denver, and you have to beat Washington. That that gets you to eight wins. You beat Washington and you beat Denver at home. Chargers are tough. Chargers won here last year. The Chargers beat them already this year. I, I feel pretty confident the Raiders can beat the Chargers depending on where they are at that time. And then you'd need one more win. You know, if the Raiders beat Washington, the Chargers, and Denver, that would give them nine wins. And then after, then when you have Kansas City, Cleveland, and Indy, I think they can win one out of those three games to get to ten. But it all starts with Washington. I, I think when I closed the postgame show, when I closed the postgame show on Thanksgiving, I said, this game does not matter if you don't beat Washington. That's coach speak. You hear a lot of coaches saying that. If you don't win the following game, really, what was this about? Having a pleasant Thanksgiving? This is what you want to see happen. You want to see something special happen. It has to start now. Black Hole Cisco checking in. Black Hole Vegas Raider Nation president. Go ahead. What's going on, JT? How you doing, my man? Good, Cisco. What's happening? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, I hope you did, too. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Yeah, man, I just want to touch on it. You said, you know, what? Are, what? Are, what's Raider Nation worried about with Washington? I'm not worried about Washington. I'm worried about the Raiders. Who's going to show up? I mean, you touched on it, too, while I was uh, holding. Derek's got to throw the ball, period. Look at what he did, and, and we ultimately won. You know, when Carr is on his game and he's running, which he did run, thank God, and throwing the ball, we're, we're a throwing team. You know, we're not – we do got a great running running system back there too, but Derek's got to throw the ball. Period. Mm. That's all there is to it. I yeah. wish, I hope they put in a little mixture of uh, Mariota and and Carr. 
Mariota doesn't have to run it every single time they put him in. Good you know, point. Let him hand off. Let him hand the ball off. Screw up the defensive coordinator. Like, oh, they're going to run. Mariota's in. Nope, he's going to end up dropping back, passing, or he's going to hand it to one of our excellent running backs. Throw the defense off. I mm-hmm. mean, period. And we're going to win. Win this game. We got a tough road. We put ourselves in a tough predicament. We're going to have to win a lot of these last games that we have, and uh, I definitely think we can do it. Uh, if we have a right game plan, and uh, I agree, appreciate your call as always, JT. I hope to see you this. What week do you got on. going on? I, I'm going to be out this weekend on the strip. What do you got Saturday night? Anything going on? Well, I don't necessarily, but our our, our buddies do. Uh, Raider Cody and uh, our DJ uh, Philly Mike, DJ Mike okay. will be uh, DJing at. Uh, we're going to have a little party. Well, again, not we. They are going to have a little party at uh, Tropicana Saturday night. I'll Good. Maybe I'll slide by. There you go, man. Bring your stories, right. uh, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, – I got one on you. Get a cold Sounds good, bud. You got it. There he is, Cisco, president of the Black Hole. And I tell everybody it's been a tough year for the Black Hole. We lost Black Hole Rob Rivera, who passed away, who's iconic, being a big part of this year. So whenever I'm at the Black Hole tailgate in J-Lot, that's now part of my groove – Get the groove on there. I'm, be- I'm there between 9 and 10 a.m., 9 and 10, 15 at the Black Hole tailgate, every home game, right at the corner of Russell and Polaris, right in the corner of that lot, J-Lot. That's a great tailgate if you're looking for a place to hang out. I hang out with Raider Mikey when he comes to town from L.A. Go ahead, Mikey. Good to hear from you. What do you got for me? What's up, JT? How you doing, buddy? Happy Thanksgiving. Hope all is well. Um, I can't wait to go to Lot J on Sunday. But I could not agree with you more. I'm watching that game last night, and I'm thinking to myself, if we think we're going to beat this team that easily, not not going to happen. They're, like you said, a very physical team. Running back is just pounding the ball. And the thing about Heineke, he may not be a great passer, but he can definitely run and tuck it and run. So we have to play smash mouth football like we did. And just like I said the week before, as I told you, Against the Cowboys, we've got to start throwing the ball a little deeper. And sure enough, they did that with, uh, with Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, and it kind of opened up. Even though we didn't, we may not have competed it. That threat was there, and you can see the DBs were concerned by getting beat deep. So I think the game plan is we've got to play. Defense has to be tough. Come mm-hmm. up and just stop the gap in the hole. And um, I think the car has just got to be on the money like he was, just you know, picking the team apart. And then once in a while, just throw it deep and just to kind of keep the uh, uh, defense honest. What do you think? You got it, my friend. I agree. He's got to go deep. He's got to go deep often. Appreciate the call, Mikey. And he's, he's got to throw to Deshaun Jackson twice a half over the top. Old Raider Mort says that all the time. That's what they did with Branch. That's what they did with the great wide receiver, Warren Wells. Early in the game, you attack deep downfield with your fastest receiver who runs the go route. No more rugs. It's Deshaun Jackson. You have got to keep Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio honest and make sure that they pay attention to the Raiders on that go route, that up and go with Deshaun Jackson. As Eric Allen says, he runs two bleeping routes. Washington knows that, but let him put fear into the Washington corners and safeties as the game gets going. Hey, sign up for True Rewards at PT's Taverns. Get your rewards, your free slot play. Go on in there. If you're a gaming, 
fanatic and you like to have your beverage, watch a game, and game at the same time, no one's bigger than PT. 64-plus locations in the Valley, all their pregame specials, a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Coming up next, Tom Flores will join us. The Hall of Fame coach is on deck. Yeah, well, obviously they, you know, they've played the quarterback game a little bit. Some different quarterbacks playing there for them, but right now they're, you know, we'll see tonight what happens a little bit. But they, they've been playing physical. Um, they have some weapons, certainly what they're trying to do on offense. And then, you know, they've had a critical injury on defense, but they, they've been a force up front to deal with, and they're a good physical tackling team on defense. So um, we have a good return game going right now. I think they've had a big kickoff return for down. So we'll uh, we'll see a little bit more tonight, but um, you know, we'll, we'll expect a good game coming in here. It's Rich Passaccia before Monday Night Football. Washington ended up winning that. And they're in the playoffs now. It's the seventh seed. The Raiders trying to get back into the playoffs. And they're in the hunt right now. Hall of Famer Tom Flores joins us. We're thrilled to talk to him every other Tuesday. And, Coach, I got to assume your Thanksgiving was great. Your first Thanksgiving as a Hall of Famer and the Raiders won. Can't get much better than that, Coach. Coach, are you there? Okay, we're, we're trying to get the phones straightened out here. We'll intro Coach Flores again if we have him, if his phones drop, but I'm sure he had a great Thanksgiving as we open up the show. His first gold jacket Thanksgiving as a Hall of Famer, which is cool, and was trading uh, texts with Charles Woodson as Charles Woodson had his name, his number, his name put up in the Wall of Fame in Green Bay. That was incredible. He had the same ring ceremony that they had for him out here which is pretty incredible. And Charles was also on the sideline at the Michigan win. Can you imagine what this guy was doing? Can you imagine the year that he's had and Coach Flores has had? So we'll wait to get Coach Flores on. Here he is. Coach, how was your Thanksgiving? Your first as a gold jacket and the Raiders winning. How are you? It was great. The JT, it was wonderful. We had family. We kind of uh, cut it down a little bit. We had too many people the year before because of my back issues. We had just family, and it was magnificent, mainly because uh, I didn't. I, I want I want you to know this. I did not wear my my gold jacket. <laughs> I did not wear, <laughs> but I did watch the Raider game, and that Raider game kept going on, and I thought, no, they're going to go into overtime. Oh my! But I tell you, it was great. It was a great day. Yeah, Coach, getting back to the game for the Raiders, they were up eight points. Dallas missed an extra point, and they just couldn't get that extra field goal or score to go up 11, you know, to go up 15. And you knew Dallas was going to come back into that game. They eventually tied it up, but the Raiders showed resiliency to get a stop in overtime, get the ball back, and get in field goal range to win it. It was great execution. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that the Raiders are – uh, championship quality yet. I think they're headed in that direction. By the time the season is over, hopefully they will be playing at that level. But they are showing they know how to win. And uh, that's one thing that Derek Carr has always done. Even when you go back to college and you studied him in college, he always won a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Tom Flores is our guest. Uh, Coach, take me back to Super Bowl eighteen against Washington because the journey was incredible in the playoffs. But let's pick it up at the game. Marcus had the reverse run. 
Uh, we know how great Jim Plunkett played in the Super Bowl and what he was all about. But going into that game, what you thought about with Washington, the matchup earlier, what was your concern with as you built the game plan for Super Bowl eighteen? Well, as I built the game plan, I felt we've got to we've got to outscore these guys because they had broken the the uh, the record for a point scored in an NFL season uh, mm-hmm. that year. And uh, we had played them earlier in the year, and we had lost by like two or three points, you know, thirty something to thirty something, and, and a lot of points scored. Yes, so I knew they could; they were going to score a lot. I didn't know if we could stop them, uh, but I also didn't know. But we also didn't have Mike Haynes when we played him earlier in the year. Marcus mm-hmm. didn't play. Cliff Branch uh, strained a hamstring. So there were a lot of things that happened, and then we peaked at the right time. You know that. We did peak at the right time. Oh, you peaked in that game, and you mentioned what Washington had coming into that game, the amount of points they scored at that time, an NFL record, 541 points. You have a 12-4 and record, and coming into that game, your best players stepped up in the biggest moments, especially Jack Squirek. On the five-yard interception, walk me through yeah. that moment, coaches. You're thinking about what's going to happen next, and all of a sudden that big play ensues. Well, we know we're on the sideline, and it's getting done. We know we're all getting ready to go in for the for the uh, halftime break, and knowing it's going to be a, a, a big, long halftime. And, uh, and we remember the, the Johnny Otten, good old Johnny Otten, uh, who was with me forever. He remembered, he, re, he reminded Charlie Summer, remember when we played him during the season, they ran a screen pass at this time of the game. Uh, and it went all the way down, almost scored with it. And uh, so that's why Charlie put Jack Squarick in the game. And Matt Dillon was furious. And he was yelling and screaming, why did you take me? He hated to come out of the game anyway. <laughs> and uh, one moment he's yelling and screaming because we took him out. The next moment, Jack Squire's got the ball. He's in the end zone, and Matt Mellon has got Charlie raised to the ceiling. Tom Flores joins us. John Otten, long-time, long-time friend and confidant, along with Jimmy Otten, a great part of Raider history. And I love that story, Coach, that someone is there making a suggestion. The suggestion works, and it really begins the blowout, the opportunity for you guys to win a game comfortably. I'm sure that never crossed your mind the week preparing that you were going to win a game by that score uh, when did you realize it in the second half that, man, wow, we have this game, let's just control the clock, put it away, and celebrate? Hi, J.T., I knew all along that, that a former ball boy of mine, a 16-year-old <laughs> ball boy, <laughs> I was going to have him call one of the most uh, uh, historic defensive plays in, in any Super Bowl in the history of the game. I knew that all along. Tom Flores joins us. That is great. And, you know, the respect, Coach, that you had for that organization back in the day with their coaches and the owner and the fan bases, what's great about Super Bowl eighteen is you had a powerful team out west and an elite team back east, Joe Theismann, who we're going to have on later this week. Just so many great players. Sometimes you dream of a Super Bowl matchup and you get one like that with the whole country is interested. Take me through the post game after that game. You get your second Super Bowl, which led to your Hall of Fame induction, and how you celebrated with your wife and family and your team. Well, it was great because I, you know, we we won the game, 
Here we are. We beat we you know, we we beat you know the great game. It was an exciting game. A lot of scoring uh, for us. It was anyway. Uh, and uh, we beat an outstanding Chicago team. I got a chance to talk to the president yeah. of the United States. Um, didn't get any better than that. I mean, I tried to call my mom and dad afterwards. They watched the game from home. My brother was at the game, and it was just everything that everything good had happened happened. You remember that phone call with President Reagan? They show it often. And we're going to talk to Brett Musburger also tomorrow. That coach is not many times, and it doesn't happen anymore. I don't think that you get a call from the president from the Oval Office when you're in a locker room. Man, that was a big part of that yeah. day back in the day that way. That's a special moment. Yeah, and the, 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 my first Super Bowl when we were in, uh, in um, uh, New Orleans, they had just released the prisoners from uh, Iran, I think. Yeah. And so they, uh, they sent me a note. Uh, the president apologizes for not being able to talk to you, but he's kind of busy right now. <laughs> so I said, I think so. Uh, so I never did get a chance to talk to the president until that game. Wow. Amazing stories, Coach. That's why we love having you on. We'll see you soon. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. It's always an honor. All right, JT. Take care. See you later, You got buddy. it. Bye. You got it. Tom Flores. How much fun was that? I mean, the guy gets a call from President Reagan, the first Super Bowl, the hostages, and what he's hearing from at that point in time. Coach Flores' players in Super Bowl 15 and 18, Rod Martin, three interceptions, Plunkett, the MVP, Kenny King. You go to Jack Squirek. I love that story about Johnny Otten making that suggestion. He's one of my dear friends. And you add up all these stories. How about the great players stepping up for Coach Flores in the Super Bowl? Right, you remember the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, New England versus the Rams? You don't even remember a play. It was the worst Super Bowl ever, right? And Brady got another one. And you look back and you say, what happened in that game? You can't remember one play. Coach Flores, there's two Super Bowls, you remember every play because they were that big. They were some of the biggest and most dramatic Super Bowls of all time. Thanks to Coach Flores, brought to you by Modelo. You know I have my bucket of Modelos every Friday. Got a whole bunch of them chilling as we speak. I reward myself on Fridays with an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, Modelo Especial, brewed with time, effort, and determination. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate on the moving odds. This will be a wild week to bet football. Here's the snap. Prescott has time. He's going to run out of it. He's hit and tackled. Brought down by Yannick Ngakwe with a huge tackle. Prescott thought he was going to scramble for the first down. And number 91 said, not so fast, young man. There's Brett Musburger who will join us exclusively. You know, he doesn't do a lot. He's busy. He's got a hell of a life going. We got him tomorrow to open up the show. I'm thrilled about that. Jeff Sherman, kind enough to join us, the VP of Risk Management, over at the Superbook at the Westgate. And, Jeff, let's jump in and talk first about Notre Dame. Still on the outside looking in, and Brian Kelly bolts to LSU and Baton Rouge. Talk about how that affects the odds going forward, their opportunity to play in the Final Four. Yeah, we have them at 16-1, to and it didn't alter the odds. So, um, you, know, you look at the teams, they're still one of the ones that are outside looking in. We have 
Georgia's a heavy one to two favorite. Alabama seven to one, Michigan seven to one, and then Notre Dame along with Oklahoma State, Cincinnati at sixteen to one. So the Cincinnati's still ahead of them, even though the odds are the same. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Michigan here. Michigan still has a big game that they have to play against Iowa. Anybody fading Michigan considering coming off the emotion and the high of that game? How did it affect the book? Tell me about the energy at the Westgate for that Michigan-Ohio State game. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, especially when you get that 9 o'clock start in the morning. So, um, and, and when they play Iowa this week, they're laying 11 in that. And so far we're seeing just nothing but Michigan money show up. Jeff Sherman joins us. Let's go to the NFL and what's going on with Seattle? Uh, tell me about betters and what they think about Russell Wilson now going forward as this team is pretty much out of it. There was a lot of talk that we had in the preseason about him eventually leaving Seattle. And if you had Seattle under the season total, you're feeling great about this. A team perennially that's been in the playoffs a bunch the last few years. Yeah, I think last night might be one of the last times that we see the public get involved in supporting the Seahawks. Uh, they were pretty heavy on him last night against Washington. But it looks like Wilson might have come back a little bit too early. He's still having some issues with that hand. And now you're seeing him fade the Seahawks. They're playing uh, at home against the 49ers this week. And we had that game. We opened a pick a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But even on the adjustment, now you have Seattle laying or San Francisco laying either three and a half or three. So that's pretty thick on the road. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. Let's move to Tampa Bay at Atlanta. They seem to have their roll on again. Line opened up minus 9.5. Now you have it, I believe, Tampa Bay minus 11. Total on this game, 50.5. Yeah, we opened it on Sunday at 10.5 and and took a little bit of dog money initially, but then we got some sharp money that laid the 10. So I went right to 11 off that sharp play. So we're sitting at Tampa 11 right now. Any sharp money driving down Kansas City? I see you have them a 10-point favorite over Denver in a divisional game where Denver looked great beating the Chargers. Yeah, it's not being driven down. We opened at 9.5 on the Chiefs and saw some sharp money lay it up to 10. So I think that's a little bit of anticipation about it being moved to the night game now, Mm -hmm. thinking the public is going to be on that side anyway. So I think some people got ahead of that. Jeff Sherman's our guest. Jeff, what can you add about... Las Vegas, the Raiders as a home favorite. I mean, I've seen a lot of games I've been in a legion, and the few that they're a home favorite, man, these games, they struggle. Washington coming off that win on a short week. Raiders coming off the high of Thanksgiving with some extra time off. Line opened up a Raiders minus one and a half. Now you have a two and a half a Raiders favored. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of money against the Raiders when they've been in the home favorite role this yes. season. So, you know, we didn't want to go three on this one when we opened it up. Uh, you know, yesterday morning, but uh, or this morning again after last night's game. But um, we're sitting at Raiders two and a half, and wouldn't surprise me if we see some Washington support just because of how poorly the Raiders have played in this role at home. I think the biggest game, Jeff, and I wonder what the handle's going to look like for you heading into Sunday, New England at Buffalo. Buffalo minus three. It hasn't moved to three and a half. Uh, the total on this game is 44, which is surprising the way Buffalo can score but New England's defense is fabulous. No one expected this win streak. I think this is a make-or-break game for Buffalo. Yeah, this is the handle on this is going to be fantastic. And, you know, yeah. when we were making our lines, a few of us had uh, three-and-a-half on this, and I said we can't go three-and-a-half. There's plenty of New England support. Right now, a lot of people are thinking it's New England, Tampa Bay, and they'd like to see that type of Super Bowl. But New England is one of the most public teams out there in the NFL right now. And we're currently at Buffalo minus three even, so we're still seeing New England support. Mm-hmm. The market just went down to Buffalo minus two and a half in a lot of spots. So definitely a a lot of Patriots support this week. 
Always great information from Jeff Sherman at the Westgate. Uh, let's move over to the NBA Finals odds here. Brooklyn, still a heavy favorite here. Warriors uh, right behind them. Take, take me through this as I'm looking at some of the numbers here and the moves, especially the Lakers. When we had you on last a couple of weeks ago, you weren't booking many bets for the Lakers at that odds. Has anything moved? Well, I finally found a taker. I found uh, someone about five thousand at sixteen to one on them, and I initially okay. went down to fourteen. But then the way they keep playing and barely squeaking out a win against the Pistons the other night, I had to go back to sixteen. So we're still sitting up there high, and I keep uh, being aggressively low on the Warriors. And I went down to seven to two and made them co-favorites with the Nets. And just thinking that the way they're playing, Steph Curry playing at an MVP level, he's even money for the MVP. Then they get to add back Clay Thompson and James Wiseman down the road when these guys can get healthy. So the Warriors are definitely looking like the team out of the West, and I keep raising the Lakers to try to attract that money. What about Phoenix money there? Phoenix is a hell of a team here with these Warrior games and what this week means. What do you think of Phoenix? Yeah, I'm giving them respect. I went down to 8-1 to one on them. And if you look at the West, mm. you know, Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah, I think I, I, it's hard for me to see past any of those three teams coming out of the West. And, I just don't think the Lakers are going to improve. They keep saying it. They need time. Well, we're, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and nothing's changed. They have defensive troubles. Their offense doesn't click. They just stand around and do a lot of isolation. So I think those three teams are definitely one of them's going to come out of the West. Finally, Jeff, I know you saw it. I got up at the crack of dawn this morning to watch Tiger's press conference. I mean, you know how much I'm into golf, and you're unbelievable at setting golf odds and your passion for the sport. Really interesting, he laid it out how he's not going to be a regular on tour, which I think we all knew that, but how he could, quote, ramp up to play in the majors or some of these big golf events. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I got into work early just to watch a press conference, and it's uh, it's what I expected. I mean, he's taking the approach on life now that he's just fortunate to be in the situation he is, and golf isn't the number one priority for him, even though he'd still like to be involved in it. And, you know, last week it was interesting. We took over a $1,000 wager on Tiger to win the Masters at 100 to 1. Wow. I initially lowered it to 80, but I went back to 100 because it would be an accomplishment for him to play. And if he made the cut, I would be surprised. And it's just, I don't expect him, especially within this next year, to, to have the preparation, the energy he needs to be out there in full. So, you know, it's just, uh, he needs to take this different perspective right now and you know, it would be nice to see him involved and play a tournament from here to there, but uh, odds-wise, competing for the title, that seems a bit far-fetched to me. But there's no doubt in your mind that he will play on tour and compete in majors. At, yeah, at some point. Mm-hmm. I th- you know, he's exempt for the Masters and exempt yeah. for the uh, Open Championship and even the PGA Championship. I think the U.S. Open is one that might be running out soon, but... Um, you know, as long as he's exempt, he could even a few years from now just show up when he feels more comfortable. And as long as he is, and he has that lifetime exemption on the PGA Tour. So he can pick his spots and, and show up and just uh, play in some tournaments, even though he's probably not going to win one. Great, Jeff. Thank you. Great talking to you as always. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman, really good as we get you the odds and the perspectives you need if you're going to gamble and the moving lines. They set them at the Westgate. All due respect to the other casinos, the other shops, that's the Westgate, the sharpest book in Vegas, and he sets the odds, along with Jay Cornegay. That's why we have him on here. You know, the Tiger Woods press conference was incredible today. It really was resilient. To see a guy sit there and take the, take the questions at his tournament in the Bahamas, the hero, world challenge and to be you know he's pretty tough he's tough at those press conferences 
We talked about his back surgeries. Ten surgeries, five on his back, five on his legs, and he almost lost his leg in this car accident. If this guy wins another major, it's going to be the biggest story of all time in sports because it's Tiger Woods, and I'm talking of all time. 